Hey Center Church, welcome to Church Online this week. I know that this is a little bit of a different and unique experience because this is the fifth week in a row that we're unable to meet online. And so thank you for meeting across the screen and for being the church, hearing great reports from a whole bunch of people that uh, you're connecting in your small group. I even heard of small groups dropping off the same snack to all of their small group people within the same city hearing reports of small groups just praying for each other online through Zoom or Google Hangouts, just lots of amazing connection. And this really does remind me of the early church, the early church in Acts that we, that we see in the book of Acts in the Bible. What we see is uh, they met from home to home to home and they encouraged each other and they loved each other. And, and really we're seeing that as a church. And what is so encouraging to me as the, the pastor of Center Church is to see you being the church. It's not just a building. It's not just a gathering on Sunday morning. You're embodying, embodying it every single day. And so thank you for being the church. Thank you for loving one another. Thank you for caring for one another. And really, I want to continue to encourage you to continue loving, to continue serving, to continue being generous to one another. Thank you for all that you are doing in being the church. It's amazing to just be your pastor and to sit down on Sunday mornings like we are and Sunday afternoons and evenings like we are right now and just be the church, connect together, but really to, to it for it to be a launching platform to the rest of the week. So thank you so much for being the church, for loving the community around you in our church locally, and then also just being generous to those outside the church and our community as well. What I'm excited about today is we're continuing our, actually we're beginning, sorry, beginning our series, Fill My Horizons. I want to encourage, I want to encourage you like Paul, the, the writer of this book, encouraged the people that he was speaking to, to continue to keep seeking Jesus, get involved in small groups, get plugged in to the local community and take that next step of getting more and more connected. This week I, um, I'm still kind of working through uh, an ear issue. I know this might sound a little bit gross, and so just bear with me for a few moments. Uh, but <laughs> I've actually, over the last month, uh, in, my, in my right ear, I've been wrestling through an issue of just uh, trying to get my ear, clear, uh, my ear clear enough so that I can actually hear what's going on around me. Uh, and if I don't know if you've ever had this before, but kind of when you, you have something going on, everyone suggests like ways for you to get better. You know what I mean? Like, like, have you tried this? Have you tried clearing out your ear? Have you tried wax candles? Have you, have you tried um, minerals? Do you know that there's polysporin that you can put in your, all, all these different options, right? And people are trying to be helpful. And I think that's amazing. Even at times like right now with the COVID-19, right? People are trying to be helpful and provide solutions. And I think that's really good, right? Um, but what I've noticed during this time is that, that when I go into my doctor, uh, the first two doctors I went to had different solutions. And it wasn't until I went to my own GP, right? That he helped me figure out what the issue was. And I remember he went in and he flushed my ear out. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an ear flushing and you're like, oh, gross, why are you talking about this on a Sunday morning? Why are you talking about this? This is gross, why are you talking about But he basically flushes your ear out, right? And my doctor's a he, and he turns your head over and all the stuff falls out into this little tray. And I don't know why it is, but it's like, hey, look at this, you know, and puts it in your face. And you're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I want this in my face right now. I don't know if I want to be seeing all this gross stuff right now. But, he, you know, he shows it to you. And you're like, oh, I can't believe that stuff was, was in my head. Like, no jokes. Like, that stuff was, it was like in my ear and it fell out into the, oh, it's just, it's just gross. But as I began to think about 
Colossians, the book of Colossians and the teaching that we're going into, the reason that, um, that I think this book is so important for us is really it's trying to give a clearer picture of who Jesus is. Now, here's what's important. Is there some things in our life that block us from seeing Jesus? There's some ideas, there's some philosophies, there's history, there's maybe unforgiveness, there's maybe Christians that hurt us, or maybe people outside of the church that said they were religious, and, and so we're, we're, we're nervous about religion or we're nervous about Jesus, and there can be a whole bunch of different reasons of, of why we can't see Jesus clearly. But here's what's amazing. When I walked out of that, that doctor's office, I was like, I can hear traffic again out of that ear, right? Oh, I can hear the birds. I, I can hear clearly now that the blockage is gone. Now, the book of Colossians is written to a church by a man named Paul, and he's writing to a church to help the Colossians see Jesus more clearly. Now, what's interesting about this book in comparison to some other books that we find in the New Testament is sometimes Paul, who has wrote the majority of the New Testament, he writes to churches who are in peril or in trouble or needing encouragement or needing correction. In this case, with the Colossae church, the church of Colossae, what we don't see is a church that's in peril. We actually see a church that's faithfully walking. We see a church that is actually growing and maturing in their faith. We see a church that's actually following the teachings of Jesus, not strength, but but are mature Christians. And he's writing to this church because there's a number of different threats that are coming up. But it's not, it's not that people are walking away from their faith in the church. It's during a time of crisis. It's during, during a time where, where what, what's needed most is a strengthening of the faith. And what I sense at Center Church right now, and I don't know where you find yourself today, is that this is a season of our life, a time of our life, where Jesus can use it to grow and mature our faith. It's a time where we can press into the things of Jesus. We can fill our horizons with more of Jesus, which increases our faith, which increases our grace and the mercy that we give to the people around us, which increases the way in which we love and we care for one another. This, is, this all rises and falls on our view of Jesus. And so my prayer through this series as Paul's prayer was to the church of Colossae, is that Jesus would fill our horizons. And as he fills our horizons, that our lives look different. Now, what's happening with the the church, and I just want to give a little bit of an overview of what's happening in the Colossian church. But there's a bunch of opponents that have challenged the sufficiency, the ability of Jesus that, that uh, the ability of Jesus to be enough for the church. In other words, is Jesus grace enough? Is Jesus enough to provide? Is Jesus enough of a solution for your sin? Is he enough for forgiveness? Is Jesus enough? They were questioning the sufficiency of Jesus and the supremacy of Jesus. And we'll get to that in just a minute. But basically saying, is he actually, is he just a man? Is he an angel? At the time, angels was a big deal. Uh, the, the kind of unseen realm. We don't really talk too much about that these days. It's kind of on the back burner somewhere. But for the Colossian church, it was front of mind. But is Jesus just an angel or is he God or is he just a human? And so the, the deity of Jesus, Jesus being God, was also questioned. And so many Christians, similarly in the West, have these types of questions that come up. Challenging, is Jesus God, did Jesus rise again? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough during a pandemic? Is Jesus enough for our work? Is Jesus enough in our family? Is Jesus enough for forgiveness? Is Jesus enough of a savior or is there more? 
Is Jesus just one of many? These questions still rise and fall today on us as Christians, and if we're not careful, can erode our faith to a place of complete uncertainty. When Christians have little confidence in their faith, when we don't have much of a bedrock to fall on, what happens is if, if we're not rooted in anything, if we're not rooted in anything, right? We get root, uprooted by everything. So if we're not rooted in Christ, anything that comes along can uproot us. Just think about plants and vegetation for a minute. If the roots don't go deep, it's easy to pull out a plant. But the deeper the roots, the more sustainable the plant is, and the more challenges it can face, like a tree. If the roots go deep enough into the ground during intense windstorms, it can, uh, trees can actually withhold the, the, the pressures around it because the roots have gone deep. If the roots don't go deep, it's easy to push over an uprooted tree. It doesn't matter how big it is outside the surface. If the roots aren't deep enough, it can fall. And when we don't root ourselves in anything, we get uprooted by everything. And so if that's you today, I got good news. As we go verse by verse through the book of Colossians, I believe that there is an answer. And I believe as God calls us into deeper maturity, that he has provided a solution and his name is Jesus. And this is what Paul calls us to in the book of Colossians. And he's calling those who are Christians to live differently. And for those of you that maybe you don't feel like your faith is eroding, that's amazing. You feel like you're maturing and you're growing and you're deepening your faith. There is still much wealth in this book to be gained. Because we still have an opportunity to continue to grow in our generosity for the world around us. We still have an opportunity to grow in giving God's grace and mercy to those around us. We still have an opportunity to walk in forgiveness and walk, into, walk in love because there's still a world around us that's in need of peace and of hope and of joy. And this book focuses on those things and helps us to grow and to mature into Christians that are different, not just in a weird way, different in an amazing, an amazing way that makes an impact on the world around us. And like I said, as Paul begins to write this book, it's through the lens. Again, remember this, it's through the lens. That there is, that Jesus, that there's this threat and people are threatening, right? That Jesus, is he truly God? The deity, the deity, uh, that Jesus is, uh, Jesus is deity. And they're also threatening the equality with God. And so as we begin to go through this book, especially chapters one and two, it's going to be talking a lot about these ideas, a lot about who is Jesus deeper theological and doctrinal issues about who he is and, and what he is. And his, again, talking about the sufficiency, his ability to provide, right? His, his ability to, to make a way and as well as his supremacy, the power in which he has, the glory in which he has. And then the second thing that the, the threat comes in, and I didn't expound on this too much before, but the second thing is that there were some Christians in this church that said they had a secret knowledge of God. Now, I want to talk about this for a minute because I find it really fascinating that we are drawn to like secret knowledge. For instance, there is this book that came out a few years ago and it was called The Secret, right? The Secret. And it was this book that talked about the power of attraction. And so many, 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 many people tried, tried this book. It sold 30 million copies. 
and, and it just spread like wildfire. I mean, everyone was promoting it. It was as newest. It was this latest, greatest thing. And what it, what it seemed to, the people seemed to gravitate towards wasn't necessarily all the knowledge in the book, but was to tr- it seemed like this obsession with getting this new secret way. There's, there's got to be another way besides what we have. There's got to be a shortcut to success. There's got to be a shortcut to getting where I want to go. There's got to be something more than I already have. And for thousands of years since the death and resurrection of Jesus, this question has come up. Is there more than Jesus? Is there, is there more? Is there some secret that I'm missing out on? And so it's opening the door to possibilities. And Paul is going to address this in the letter. And I think it's important today because if we're not careful in the West that we're, the Western culture that we live in is ideas and philosophies begin to, to bleed into the church. For instance, my wife is an RN. She's a nurse, right? And when she's, when she, there's, there's, a, there's a number of different times and one comes in particular comes to mind. There's a number of different times when they're on the unit that, that they're not allowed to say certain things. For instance, if it's a little bit quiet at night, there's no, no one crying. She's in the pediatrics unit, so she's working with kids and there's nobody crying. Okay, they're not allowed to say, oh, it's a little quiet in here, right? They're not allowed to say, oh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it seems a little slow today. And the nurses will like look and like start knocking on wood everywhere. Like, you know, like I got to knock on wood because knocking on wood is going to make sure that children don't wake up, right? I'm also a hockey fan. And so that's one, one example. Another fan is like, I'm a hockey fan, right? I miss hockey right now. I know it's frivolous and I know that I probably shouldn't. And there's bigger issues in the world right now. I, I totally understand that. But I miss hockey. And one of the things about hockey that's really unique and kind of strange and is that when a goalie hasn't let any goals in in a game, it's called a shutout. But you're not allowed to say that during the game. Like if you say, oh, that goalie has a shutout right now, and you're sitting beside a fan beside you, they'll be like, bro, what's up? Why are you mentioning that? Why are you mentioning that? It's as if the words that I say are going to distract the goalie. It's as if there's something about what I'm doing that's going to somehow affect that goalie's game. Similar to the secret, this kind of idea of law of attraction has bled even into the church. And it gets into things like the prosperity gospel. If I, if I say things negatively, then I'm going to just get negative things. I have to pray positively. I have to talk positively all the time. God just wants me to be healthy and wealthy. And these kind of things come up. But the truth of the matter is that isn't the gospel and that's not what's presented in the Bible. Just think about it. Last week we celebrate the victory of Jesus and it was an amazing victory, victory over death. But we're also called to follow Jesus and and the Bible also says to pick up our cross. What does that mean? It means that not only are things going to be easy, but there's things that we need to carry that are burdensome too. Yes, we cast our cares upon Jesus, but there's going to be trial. Jesus promises this. And so we need to make sure that ideas, that philosophies, that might be culturally normative, don't begin to bleed into the church. And this is what Paul is addressing in this book. Is he saying there's some things that we need to confront Because yes, Jesus is enough and Jesus is sufficient, but he calls us to walk in unique ways. And so the book of Colossians, not only does it talk about sufficiency of Jesus and the supremacy of Jesus, but it answers answers two kind of two questions. And there's two other purposes of the book. Besides addressing those things, there's two other, um, there's two other, 
purposes of the book. One is to figure out then who is Jesus and present Jesus well. There's a number of different scholars that say, uh, because Paul wrote other books as well, like Romans and Ephesians, but other scholars say this is the most um, precise book about discovering who Jesus is and explaining the person of Jesus. So over the next coming weeks, as we go into Colossians, we're going to be looking more in depth than precisely who is Jesus. So the book answers who is Jesus in light of these questions. And the second thing is this, is it answers two existential questions. And these are basic uh, philosophical questions. And one of them is, who am I? So yes, we need a knowledge of who Jesus is, but then we need a knowledge of who we are. Who has God created us to be? Who is God? And then who has he created us to be? And then the second question is, who am I? And why am I here? Like, why did God create us? And Colossians answers this book. And so over the coming weeks, as we begin to flesh this out, I pray that Jesus fills your horizons. And as he fills your horizons, you begin to discover why you're here. And you discover who you are. Because this is the purpose and the intent of the book of Colossians. Now, if you have your Bible, you can pick it up on the other side of the screen. And I'm going to be reading, uh, I'm going to be reading too from my physical Bible. If you have a physical Bible in front of you, I encourage you to pick it up. Or if you have the Version Bible app, you can open that too. But we're going to jump right into Colossians 1. And we're going to go into Colossians 1, and chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So let's jump into the letter today. We're going to begin our series here. We're going to begin in the text. So why don't you read with me? It says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Who is he writing to? It says, to God's holy people in Colossae the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Now Paul opens this letter with a formal greeting. And the formal greeting is something that's consistent in some of his other letters. Uh, In terms of validating who wrote different letters of the New Testament, one of the ways in which we know different writers is one, they self-identify, but they also have similar, um, similar approaches to the way that they write ideas. And, uh, and, and, and so Paul here self-identifies himself, but also has his formal greeting, which is representative in some of the other letters he wrote in the New Testament. But Paul uses this word, and you see Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, this is important for a number of different reasons, but one of the, the big reasons that this is important is that G, uh, sorry, Paul is identifying himself to the Colossian church, and he's saying, I'm an apostle. An apostle was somebody that could teach and could instruct pastorally. Now, um, Colossae is 100 miles away from Ephesus, and Paul did a tremendous amount of ministry in Ephesus with Timothy. If you read through this, for just this first verse, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Jesus by the will of God, by the will of God and Timothy, our brothers. In other words, that, and we see Timothy, our brother there, right? Uh, Paul and Timothy did ministry together in Ephesus. Timothy was a disciple of, of Jesus ultimately, but of Paul and would have followed under his ministry and been and grown under his ministry. And what we see here is that uh, this, this is that Paul is, is, is using this term apostle because they did ministry in Ephesus, which is 100 miles up the road from the Colossian church. And so they would have heard, they would have heard echoings of Paul. Paul at the time would have had such a great effect in ministry, like Luke writes about in Acts. It says that 
um, Paul's ministry was so effective that all of Asia would have heard. Well, the Colossian church would have been one of those Asian churches that would have heard the message of, of, of Paul. And, and, so, um, and, and so Paul's name would have, would have echoed throughout that, just being a carrier of Jesus. And so they would have known already who Paul is. And so as he writes this letter to this church, He's not doing it from, uh, he, he's never met them. He's doing it from a place of authority within the greater body of the church. The apostle, again, was a teacher and was that pastoral oversight in the church and was also, an, a, 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 was also a position given to, to him by God. He's saying, I'm not just here on my own behalf. I'm not here just spinning new ideas. I'm here as an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is the authority that I have is in Jesus. And so Paul establishes himself as an apostle. And then he says this, he says, and I'm going to write this as I establish myself as an apostle. I'm writing to you, God's holy people and Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Some versions say saints. Now, when we hear the word saints, what do we think of? We think of like images on the side of buildings, right? We think of these, 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 and at least that's what comes to mind for me. We had these cathedrals with these uh, heroes in the faith on the side of them. But Paul uses this term saints, or Paul uses the term God's holy people to say that it's, it's anyone that finds themselves in relationship with Jesus. It's anyone that finds themselves as in a relationship with Jesus, but part of God's family. That those that are God's holy people are those that are separate. But this is the church, not just center church, not just the Canadian church, not just the Western church. No, the church, all of those who would find their faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying God's holy people. Specifically, he's talking in Colossae. But he is talking about, in a broader scope, he's saying, you're part of the God's holy people. That Jesus didn't come to just save one person individually and get them to heaven. No, no, Jesus came and gave his life to establish God's kingdom. To put those who weren't in families into families. For those that were outside of the, the, the church into the church. And, a part, and not just a building, not just center church, one local community, no, but the greater church, God's kingdom. And my prayer for you, church, is that you would get a greater vision of what God is doing in his kingdom during this time. That God wouldn't, you wouldn't just feel like, like they're just you and God, but and I think that's important, but that you would get the sense that there's, there's a community around you and a global community of people who've put their faith and their trust in Jesus and, and a global community of people that are called by God, are seen by God and known by God. That we are not just a part of a local community, just a little isolated, but no, we're part of a much bigger global picture. And Paul writes this at the very beginning of the letter. He says, my authority is in Jesus, but I'm writing to God's holy people, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. You see that word faithful? It wasn't that they were in peril. Actually, Paul had learned about their faithfulness. How good is that? And my prayer during this time for us, church, is that we would be known by our faithfulness to Jesus, our faithfulness to his teachings, our faithfulness to his goodness, our faithful, that people would know our faithfulness and our commitment to him and to living out what God has called us to do. And then he finishes at the end here. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. You see, it's God who sets us in his family. As God sent his son Jesus to make a way where there was no way. 
He sent Jesus as the gift that we celebrated last week at Easter. But he sent Jesus so that he could bring his children back to himself. Now, what's interesting about the language here is brothers and sisters. Part of God's kingdom, yes, but God's family. God, the parent, and his children. Now, what I find fascinating about this language is the church is like that family, right? I don't know about you, but I got three brothers in my family, okay? I didn't grow up with sisters. I got an older brother and two younger brothers. Now, what's interesting about being in a family is siblings, we, we get, we like, when I grew up, I played like hockey together, right? And, and, and in the church context, we, we, we do weekend services together or we, we worship together or we serve together. And I think there's something in Cloverdale, the, 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 the region which Surrey is located, uh, is region of Surrey, uh, the Cloverdale churches in particular, where the center church is located, there's this real sense of camaraderie amongst the churches. And so we, we work together. But the, the other thing about being a sibling is sometimes there's tension. I don't know about you, but we used to wrestle and uh, we used to get at each other. You know, there's something about knowing your brother or sister that they can be the biggest blessing or they can be the biggest pain ever, <laughs> you know. And so there's the same truth in the church. And we need to understand this is that, yes, God is our father. God is our parent, Right. At the same time, he sets us in a family, and it means that we have to also work with those in our family. And Paul sets this out, and it's important, I think, at the beginning of the letter, and it's the beginning of this series to understand this, is that within the body, within, within the church, we have to learn how to get along. We have to look at each other as brothers and sisters, not just, uh, not just as, as people that are, that are distant from one another, or that church and this church, no, no. We're brothers and sisters together. And those that claim to be with Jesus, those that claim to follow Jesus, that are set in the kingdom of God and the family of God, that we're brothers and sisters together. Now at the very end of uh, verse two, and I'm gonna end here today, is Paul begins his whole letter here at the church of Colossians. He says this, grace and peace to you from God our Father. This is my prayer for you today, church that you would experience God's grace, which is his favor. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve the gifts that he gives us, the blessings that he gives us. He just gives it to us because he's a good father. Not because he has to, not out of obligation, out of love. And his grace is towards you today. And my prayer is that you would experience that. But he says peace. In another book of the Bible, it talks about peace beyond our understanding. That's also my prayer for you today, church. That one, you would experience Jesus' peace, but two, that you would experience his grace. But who does Paul say it's from? Does Paul say it's from binging the news? Does Paul say it's from making sure that you have the latest updates on what's happening globally? Does Paul say our peace comes from getting our job uh, back or, or the good news of our job. Now, all those aren't, news feeds aren't necessarily bad things. Getting good news about your job is good. The question here is where are you getting your peace from? Because there's counterfeits. Again, the book is to address 
different ideas and philosophies. And one of the things that I've noticed is how many people are going to news feeds or scientists to try and get their peace and they're not getting it. Paul says here, what? Grace and peace to you from God, our Father. There's a peace from God that you can get nowhere else. And God is here today. Wherever you find yourself on the other side of the camera, God is here today, the God of peace that passes all understanding. And what's amazing is he's willing to give. He's not holding back. He's a good father that's willing to give. My question though, is are you willing to receive and ask? And if that's you today, why don't you pray with me right now? One, I'm gonna pray uh, just, um, just generally for the church and those of you sitting on the other side of the camera. And then I wanna pray specifically for those of you that haven't taken that step. Or maybe you've walked away from a relationship with Jesus and you want to come back. Let's pray right now. And I want to believe that as we pray, or I believe that as we pray, that we will sense God's grace and his peace in our life. Let's pray. God, thank you right now. I thank you for Center Church. Right now, God, we just pause for a moment. In the midst of our busyness, in the midst of all the news and all the, the ideas that we're inundated with, with all the pressures around us, we pause. We take a deep breath. And as we breathe, God, that we breathe in your grace and your peace. As we go throughout our day, that we don't just rush to the next thing. We don't just jump to the the next thing. We don't just keep our mind occupied, but God, we find rest and peace in you. For those experiencing hardship, for those wrestling with anxiety, for those wrestling with uncertainty about what the future looks like, God, I ask that your presence would be near and ever present at this time. For those that feel like they have to earn your love, earn your acceptance, that they'd experience your grace in greater measure today. God, we pray, we pray. And just as we're in an attitude of prayer, I wanna pray for those of you on the other side of the camera that haven't made a decision to take a step towards Jesus. This great gift of forgiveness, this great gift of grace, of forgiveness is extended to you. We've all sinned, we've all made mistakes, we've all fallen short, but the good news is that Jesus came to make things right. In the midst of your anxiety or in the midst of the craziness, in the midst of the chaos, Jesus right now is here to say, I have an answer. Jesus is saying, it's me and I've made a way. And if that's you, if you wanna take that step to Jesus today, you can pray this prayer. You can say, Jesus, thank you that you love me. I turn away from my sin and I turn to you. I ask for your forgiveness. Help me to know who I am and what you've called me to do. Lead me and guide me. Thank you that I'm part of your family. Thank you that you call me your own. Amen.